Welcome to the Untamed and Unashamed podcast. This is a place where together we can navigate through life's ups and downs with all of the vulnerability, compassion, and openness that we can muster. Along with the help of guests from all walks of life, we'll discover new truths while doing some unlearning, and we'll gain valuable tools for becoming who we already are while also uncovering our divine gifts. I'm Jade Bryce, and I'm so thankful that you're here. At the end of June, I went to a week-long tantric retreat in Costa Rica with Leila Martin, and as soon as I landed in Costa Rica, I could feel a whirlwind of excitement for all that was going to take place over that next week. The transmissions, initiations, deprogramming around bodies and reverence for them. I was dripping in ecstatic gratitude before I even got picked up from the airport. If you'd told me 10 years ago that I'd be doing this, I'd believe it, but I would have laughed in confusion and nervousness, not even knowing that things like this existed yet. 16 years ago, I would have been terrified and pleading, whore of Babylon, repent. (laughs) And it's been a very interesting ride to hear. To this version of me that boarded that plane, that signed up for this year-long program, and I'm so thankful for every version. I love each so much. The ride got a little more exciting, a little lovelier, a little juicier, and a bit faster about a year and a half ago when I started to ask questions about my sexuality and my trauma with it. Then came the rewriting of the narrative and the reclamation of my power, of my innocence, of my exploration, of my wildness, of my sacredness. I'm so thankful for everyone who has been a healing force through it who has been a fast track pass because of the work that they've done and allowing me to bathe in that field. I'm overjoyed to now hold that for my clients. The work ripples on. I want to add a little disclaimer before talking about the details of this retreat. My teacher, Layla Martin, has a deep, deep transmission of 20 years worth of work in Tantra. This wasn't some random tantric event that I went to with someone I hardly knew of. There are plenty of people that probably mean well, but that are regurgitating other people's work. And because the transmission isn't deep from their own lived experience and training and full initiations, the healings may not be as potent. And more importantly, they may not be trauma informed or safe containers to add to that. She placed this retreat in the very middle of our year-long 650-hour training. Had this been in the beginning of the training, it would have been a completely different container and experience. In her program, the first four months are focused only on inner transformation. We had worked on our self-love, worked with our inner child and family dynamics, learned our anatomy and dived into sexual exploration integrated sexual trauma and developed more wholeness, explored the shadow self and the underworld, built a thriving ecology, stepped into sexual and personal empowerment, attended workshops on stress cycles, trauma, anti-racism, LGBTQ literacy and safety, and much more. All before she ever started us. 
all before she ever started teaching us how to coach. But also, all before ever coming to the retreat. And there's a reason this retreat was so potent and so effective and why so much energy was moved and so much healing took place, why there was so much freedom of expression. It was not only her transmission, but the fact that we had all been bathing in it for the past six months. So when listening to this, while I hope that it inspires you to do something like this, please use the utmost discernment when choosing a teacher and a container. And I do want to encourage you to do something like this. It's why I'm creating this episode. And also because I know that there is medicine in my experience for others as well. We need to go further than where we want to take people. And I love to keep pushing my edges and expanding my capacity. This was seven straight days of that. And it was some of the best seven days of my 37 years. On the first night, we danced while making eye contact with a partner for a few moments, then switching to another partner. My first partner was a woman in her 20s wearing a Britney Spears top. My second partner was in her 70s with gray hair and face paint. And my third partner was in her 30s with pink hair and piercings. There were many more that followed, each one of them so beautiful, each one bringing forth a different emotion in me through their eyes. So much wonder and curiosity in those first eyes, so much joy and wisdom and playfulness in those second eyes, so much boldness and praise in those third set of eyes. I already felt so in love with everyone in the room. I felt so drawn to everyone and to what brought them here to this moment. The music stopped with Layla yelling, holy shit, we're alive, we have a heart. <laughs> it's now become one of my favorite mantras. We were then instructed to form a circle and each of us got in the middle and danced her entire spirit, heart and pussy out while everyone in the circle bowed and worshiped her expression. Layla reminded us at the end of this first night what we were there for, an initiation, an, an initiating rite of the goddess, and that you get what your intention is. It's so important to have intention, even at the start of our days. Me and the kids state our intention for the day every single morning with our hands and feet in the grass looking up at the sun, and I can feel how much power is in that every single morning. On day one, the theme was sisterhood. We started the day with breathwork and a jade egg practice, and this alone brought me back into the state I was in when I took 5-MEO about a year and a half ago. When I had that experience, Mary Magdalene came and poured honey on my lips. My entire body became yonis, then white roses, then yonis again. I was told by those holding space for me that my body was making a wave-like motion that was very sexual. It felt very strongly to me that my body was being cleansed of its sexual trauma. I remember my right leg shaking like crazy, which, if you follow Peter Levine's work, is also a form of trauma release. I was told that at some point I had stopped breathing and that the shaman took a dose of medicine to go retrieve my soul. During that time, he sang the mantra, Om Gam Ganapataye Namaha, the mantra of Ganesh who I have always been so drawn to and I have always felt so protected by. It's like the shaman knew. And this felt like a rebirth. I remember at the end of it, feeling so orgasmic and covered in honey, feeling Mary there with me as a mother and her whispering in my ear, 
you asked for this. You asked for healing, for bliss, for community, for this. Anything you ask for, I can give to you. If you want your kids in a Montessori, just ask. That was a big desire of mine at the time. And they're now in Montessori. (laughs) That day changed my life forever. At that point, I hadn't dug into any of the tantra work or becoming a sex coach, but that day felt like I was assigned to it all. I had spent that past year really digging into my sexual trauma and really desiring more sexually, but not knowing where to start or how to open up to it. It all felt so foreign to me. I just knew that there was more, and I knew I was being called to it for some reason. That 5-MEO experience was an initiation, a rebirth, and that experience is what ultimately led me to this retreat. And here I was, a year and a half later, at a nude tantric retreat in the middle of my 650-hour training to become a love, sex, and relationship coach. And here, doing the breathwork and jade egg practice, I again felt my body turn into white roses and yonis and felt honey drift on my lips. I felt Mary at my head. And again, she said, I brought you here. You asked for this. You will always have what you ask for. I wept at her love for me, at my love for myself, at the gratitude that I asked and that I received. I looked around. I was surrounded by 90 other naked women with the jungle on one side of us and the ocean on the other side. Everyone looked like they were in bliss. In that moment, I had this feeling that I had done this before. This was the most beautiful sight and my face was covered in tears. I also felt so much gratitude for my womb that my two all-time favorite humans once lived in there and I get to keep that forever in my body, their first home. Good God, I love being a woman. I love my womb. I also saw myself in my mother's womb and how much violence was in her life due to my father and how stressed she and I felt. There was so much darkness and grief in my own womb from that. And that's a part of how ancestral traumas pass down through the womb of women. And I'm so thankful it's being healed. I also felt myself in Mary's womb and how I'm still held in that. And I hold that energy. I hold that power. How could I ever feel lack? I looked around and felt like I was in the most beautiful nude painting I'd ever seen. Women crying, orgasming, holding themselves. This jade egg practice was so powerful and I fell so in love with the jade egg and its magic. I knew I was here to teach it to others. I even had a moment where I was like, this is why I was named Jade. (laughs) We then moved into our sisterhood wound healing practice. Layla taught about how we cannot become the most profound version of our goddess self alone. We need sisters. We also cannot do this when carrying sister wounds. She spoke on holding space for our sisters in their wounds, how you have to show up for people, how you want them to show up for you. None of this good vibes only shit. You show up in it all. She invited us to reimagine how we show up and how we love which also required releasing the wounding from when others didn't show up for us. I wrote down the six women that I had the deepest wounds with. A few of them 
about half of them, I hadn't even thought of in almost two decades. But writing their names brought up so much right away. We then got in a circle, and one woman got in the middle, and she would share her deepest wound that she's experienced with another woman. Layla would then ask, who here has experienced something similar? And everyone who could relate or who shared a similar wound would raise their hand. And the woman in the middle would feel in her body where she carried the wound and then breathe into it and sound it. Everyone in the circle holding space. And then feeling into our own bodies where we carry that same signature in our body to alchemize it. We would all then sound and move it together, making the unconscious conscious, the unfelt felt. We allowed the wound to do what it wanted to do, and that brought the alchemization. As we sounded and moved and allowed it to be felt, there was a point where you could feel a shift. We would then bring in the new energy and let it fill the space with a new reality that gets created, a new destiny created where the wounding was placed. And then we sat taking in the new energy in silence. It was such a strong energy activation, a new blueprinting. We would then ask the woman in the middle, what do you need? How can we help support and ground you? For me, it was having my hair stroked while I sat quietly in love. Then after offering that support, we would drum on the floor while saying her name, celebrating her. There was one woman there whose wounding was around her voice and Layla placed her hands on her throat to do energy work while we all used our own voices to sound around her. And through that, we all healed. The more we allowed, the deeper we all went. When my time came, I shared about my childhood best friend. And fuck, this is hard to share. Me and her were inseparable like straight months together every summer, together every weekend of every school year. She was my safe space, my play place, where I could be a kid, where I laughed the most. I remember us being young and her sometimes lying to get me in trouble and then telling me it was because she was jealous of something, but I didn't fucking care. I loved this girl. I still wanted to be around her as much as I could. But I remember the energy of that being there in our relationship. I remember her calling me when her parents got a divorce and she was weeping. She told me she felt like we were twins and that I was the only one she could call. We were in a band together, an all-girls punk rock band that only had one live show. <laughs> I know she didn't like the attention I sometimes got, and I definitely dressed for it at times. Sometimes she would say, you're going to get yourself raped dressing like that. And at the time, I wasn't aware of the programming but those words always stuck with me, and I remember the bodily sensation it would cause in me. Around age 12, we were staying up late watching scary movies like we always did, eating peanut butter out of the jar and laughing over everything. Her older brother came home drunk, which wasn't too out of the ordinary. We were in playful moods, and I had no clue he was taking that as an invitation. I thought that I was safe. I'd known him my whole life. When he molested me, she was in the room, and I can't speak to her experience. But I was frozen, not making a sound, out of my body. I don't know if she was in freeze mode too, or if she just wasn't aware of what was happening. I went to the bathroom after and threw up. 
and he waited for me outside the door. I never found out the whole story of how their parents found out years later that it had happened, but I think that she told them. I think when she came upstairs and she saw him waiting for me, she knew he was about to go further or she knew that something had happened. I don't really know. But when everyone found out, I was shamed. I was punished physically and emotionally. I was asked why I didn't run away, why I didn't tell anyone sooner. And I was even told that I liked it. Her and I never spoke about it, not once. In our teen years, she slipped into a deep depression. We both did. But hers involved self-harm, so she was put in a place for that. And during that time, I got heavily involved in church. And when she got out, I told her how involved I was. It was like five days a week. And she said, well, Jade, when will you have time for me? And I said, no, silly, you're coming with me to all of this. I had no clue what I was bringing her into, but I do know that it probably saved her life and mine. We found some sort of role that felt important to us in this group. And you know, depression definitely wasn't allowed. Prayer takes that away. And if it doesn't, you must have hidden sin or some sort of demon. So if you did struggle, it was better just to not tell anyone because then you weren't trusted, at least in our case. It happened a few times that boys she would like would have a crush on me. And even though I didn't like them back, I know this hurt her. And the man that they felt God had approved of for me and who they approved of for me, the man that I ended up marrying, was also a man that she was praying for to be her partner. It's really messy, and we were just teenagers, but I know this was a big pain point for her. There was a lot of divisive energy in that church, in that group, and mostly because they could use that for control. When I left, just like when anyone left, I was spoken of as a sinner, one who hates authority and is on a pathway to hell, lost. And if you didn't want to be corrupted, you steered clear of people on that path. She stayed with that group for years longer, and we never really connected again. This sisterhood wound went really deep for me. And I didn't even know that it was there. And when I realized it was there, I saw how many areas of my life it was still affecting. A huge part of it was that I always felt like I was doing something wrong just by being me, just by existing. And I felt like this practice just started to touch the surface of the trauma from that relationship. But the big thing is that it brought it into my awareness. I didn't even know that it was there. Something also that I've really called in these past few years is deep, deep sisterhood. And in order to change my destiny with that, I must change my nervous system around this. And this practice opened this up in me even more. I noticed that there were times also in this first day that I was triggered by other women's expression. And that was showing me where I wasn't liberated. That was a huge gift of this retreat because there was so much expressing. I also deepened my ability to hold space. Each time I facilitated breathwork for another, I practiced them being the only one in the room. Even though the room was full of women releasing, I focused on her and held the space with, I got this. You're safe to digest whatever is coming up. And this is something I'm really, really striving for in my listening skills. Definitely not something I've mastered, just something I'm working towards. On that first night, we did a priestess initiation through journeying to the underworld. Every mythic goddess has journeyed to the underworld. 
forgotten who she was, and then remembered. We stood there with initiates around us, feeling the layers of conditioning that kept us separated from why we came here. We shed our clothes, our masks, our jewelry until we were bare, waking up and remembering who we are and what we came here for. And I am here for the goddess version of sex, drugs, and rock and roll to help women rewrite their sexual narrative, to help heal the duality between sexuality and spirituality and to merge the two for the deepest and most sacred partnership to help heal the feminine and all to help heal people's relationships with source and for the pussy party. <laughs> this felt like a coming home to ourselves, to the light that calls us forward. We no longer needed the mass to keep us safe. The illusions that no longer served us, the cages were now too small. The conditioning was no longer our truths. And y'all, this was just the first 24 hours of the retreat. Holy fuck. On the second day, we did more jade egg practice and breath work, followed by giving and receiving breast massage. And I wasn't really nervous for this, but I wasn't sure if it would be awkward or really what to expect at all. But I truly felt like I have never done anything more natural in my life. My partner was perfect and we have become good friends. It's a pretty special bond. <laughs> She's a mom to a little one as well. This practice was really powerful for me. I became aware of how my stressful births with my children was when I closed my heart to men more than I ever had before. Giving birth is such a vulnerable state and it's such an important time for a woman. But because of how my past partner treated me during that experience, it was extremely traumatizing and it was the time that I was in most need of that masculine love and protection. I had glimpses of that being healed in the future with another, and I experienced Layla putting a diamond in my heart, my guides whispering in my ears, you're safe to live from here. I felt Isis initiate me into this work, reminding me I've done it before. This is lifetime's worth of work that carried me here. That night, we showered each other in compliments more practice in giving and receiving from the feminine. On the third day, I did my first ever pussy weightlifting class with 90 other women naked with the beach on one side and the jungle on the other with Dea Dova playing. I felt like a Mayan warrior goddess, y'all. We tied little disco ball weights to our yoni eggs and did aerobics and danced. Again, I was just so overwhelmed with ecstasy to be there. What is this life? We then did womb massages on each other, giving and receiving with a partner, asking our wombs, what do you most need to tell me right now? What do you most need from me right now? What would it look like if I lived from this place of womb wisdom? What also really occurred to me in this practice is that when facilitating, the client's healing is also my healing. What powerful work. And then that night we did sex magic under the new moon. And I have never felt more like a sex witch than I did. Pleasuring myself with 90 other women, all orgasming at the same time, manifesting our dreams into new realities. 
what Layla said beforehand had my whole body in chills. It was definitely a remembering. It was something along the lines of, your sexuality accelerates your ability to do anything. So of course, our culture breaks people's connection to their sexuality. Violence only works for so long. So if we really want to stop the witches, we teach them to hate themselves, to hate their sexuality. And then you teach them to teach that to their daughters. Oh, God, I felt this in my bones. She reminded us that what we want, goddess wants too. To say, I know what I long for and desire, and I choose to stand for it and use my sexual power to co-create it. The holy hell, y'all. I've been practicing sex magic for over a year now, but collective practice is so fucking powerful. The field is just so amplified together and there is far more available. I feel so strongly in my being that this is something that was done in the temples and it's coming back. This felt like an ancient sacred ritual. Even the Bible says that when more than three of you gather to pray, that the Holy Spirit is there. And this is how we prayed. It's how we worshiped. It's how we worshiped goddess and the Holy Spirit was there. I know this might sound crazy to hear me talk about, but it's so sacred. And just to tell you what type of quantum leap this was for me, three and a half years ago, I was in a nine-month celibacy sitting with ayahuasca every single month for nine months. And one of those ceremonies, Mama Aya told me I needed to be orgasming every day. I remember my shock at the thought of that being a daily thing. I didn't even know if that was humanly possible. I was so confused by that homework assignment from her and it also was just so out of my comfort zone. It just, it didn't make sense to me. And now looking back, I laugh. Our nervous system deserves to bathe in pleasure all the time. I start my day with multiple orgasms now. It's my breakfast. I eat orgasms for breakfast, y'all. <laughs> it's like ayahuasca knew what I came here for, this pussy party in service of woman's sexuality. She was trying to get me to take the steps way back then. And I stood there with my jaw open in utter confusion. And now here I was orgasming with 90 other women. And in this seven day retreat, I had somewhere around 70 to 80 orgasms, most without touch, just working with my energy and breath. I truly feel like the most orgasmic woman and I feel surrounded by them. We are capable of being the source of our own pleasure. All of this bliss is inside of us. It was never from a certain partner. It was always within us. We can co-create it with a partner, but it's always been here in us. At the very end of the sex magic, a woman in her 60s or 70s stood up in a crotchless leather onesie and said, this is the first time in my life I have ever felt like I belong. Me too, sister. Me too. On the fourth day, a lot of practices happened that I am not going to go into, but I'm going to share my takeaways in the hopes that it may stir something in you too when it comes to your inner child. Something that I became aware of on day four was that as a kid, 
girls were always really mean to me and boys were always really nice to me. I got a lot of attention from boys as a kid and sometimes would even have five boyfriends at once. I would have them meet me at the skating rink on different nights. They were all so sweet to me and most of the girls that I was around were just so cruel. They would gather after school and wait to beat me up and the boys would chase them off to protect me. When I would walk into the cafeteria at school, I would get called slut or skank or whore. And I was very developed at an early age. As early as 10, I had a size C bra and girls would be so mean to me about, about that as if I could control it. But there was some sort of mind fuckery of an experience as a kid where boys were nice to me because they were attracted to me and girls were mean to me. And so I created this story that boys were safe to connect to and girls were not. Of course, sexual trauma changed that later on, but it still played a huge role, I think, in how as a woman in my 20s, I developed a mainly male audience. It's what I called in. I was never taught that that wasn't all that I was or talked to about why these girls were so mean to me. I saw my breast as something that caused me a problem instead of being taught the beauty of them. And I'm so thankful for all of this medicine because I will give it to my daughter. I'll teach her about the Dallas practices of breast massage when she's older. And it won't be strange to her because she already knows it's a part of my routine now. She sees me do it. She already sees it as a part of womanhood. So this experience as a kid really feels like a big part of why I developed this mainly male audience. But it also feels like it's why I'm here to help heal women's sexuality, why I'm here to work with women on rewriting that narrative. Because if we have women who have healed their sexual shame, we're going to have young girls who are treating each other differently because of what and how they are taught to view the feminine and the feminine power. I remembered also my first kiss when I was 10, which felt like to me my first experience with intimacy in a way. It was at the skating rink and everyone gathered around and watched cheered. <laughs> when it was over and everyone dispersed, I went behind a video game and wept. I'm still not exactly even sure why, but I know that it felt like I felt so much energy from that kiss and I got so overwhelmed by it. I also got in so much trouble by my mom when she found out and I understand she was coming from fear, but the whole thing was such a fucking weird experience of a first kiss. And I really want my kids to be excited to tell me about theirs and for me to hold that loving space for their experience. I also saw that all of this is a part of me being a Magdalene. She was a beautiful sexual woman who got attention from Jesus, which got her a lot of negative attention from others to the point of where they would yell prostitute and slut and whore at her. And this is all a part of what I'm here for. At the end of this inner child healing, the song Halo played, which was kind of a theme song for my women's group here in Austin when we first got together. And I was just so ecstatic and gratitude for the seeing of my halo by these women and the seeing of theirs by me. And what a healing place that women's group was, is for me that has zero judgment for who I am exactly how I am and how healing that is and how a big part of that being possible is because they've healed their sexual trauma. They're very sexual beings and we can hang out nude and it'd be completely natural and how that in a way also prepared me for this container that I was now in on this trip. On the fifth day, we did pussy massage and pussy temple worship. 
Through this, I was able to experience what it is like to bring innocence back to being present with eroticism, to allow eros to flow and then feel into what is in service here. My partner for the Pussy Massage is also who I did my gratitude walk with that morning on the beach, covered in ocean-friendly glitter and tattoos with our jade eggs in, walking hand in hand, speaking gratitude for all that we were ordering from the cosmic waitress, knowing that the universe is so generous. I want to clarify that this wasn't penetration or even stimulation. This was pushing into certain energy points while I sounded and released and vice versa. We wore gloves and were there in complete service of whatever the other needed. And when we exchanged pussy breathwork and massages, we went into a portal, just the two of us. Every breathwork partner I had had up to this point was so magical in their own way. And I fell in love with each of them and developed a special bond with each of them. But this woman, we had served in temples together before. It was very clear. We both saw Isis show up. We had the same visions. We were in each other's workshop, and it felt like days had passed when we came out. I feel so strongly that we'll be doing work together in the future. Later that night, when we did pussy worship, each woman got on a throne, holding their own magnificent pussy temple, and us devotees who are here in service of pussy gathered around and worshipped. She would sit there on her throne, legs spread, in this very vulnerable state, knowing its magnificence. And us, devotees of pussy, kneeled, bowed down, thanked, worshipped, said things like, thank you for being a portal to all of life. Thank you for all the pleasure. Then we made eye contact to seal it for the next seven generations. And this was one of the most beautiful things I've ever done. It felt so holy. And afterwards, while still all nude, all 90 of us were dancing on the floor to Casey and JoJo's All My Life. You know, all my life, I've prayed for someone like you. And I thank God that I, that I finally found you. <laughs> Not a pro singer, but I just want to make sure you know the song. You have the visual of all of us on the on the ground, <laughs> dancing to that, <laughs> feeling that for each other. On the last day, I noticed still how many constructs I had in my mind about what it is to feel sexy. During our JDEG practice, the teacher asked us how sexy we feel on a scale of one to 10. And there were women saying five or six that I had assumed based off how they looked or how they acted, that they'd feel like a 10 on a level of sexiness. And then I heard women saying, ooh, I'm a 10 actually, that I had assumed would typically struggle in this area. And this felt really ugly within me, but I know it is my conditioning from our culture and social media and films and so on. And it was so interesting over the entire week to be around so many completely nude women and to be nude myself and just listen to what thoughts appeared. It really challenged my constructs, and that alone was extremely eye-opening and healing. I also thought back to when I used to frequent the Playboy Mansion, and, when the sh and I was shooting with them regularly. You really had to be a certain way, have a certain nail color even, a certain breast type, and even when you'd get, even then, you'd get airbrushed. 
working with Bellator as a ring girl, I was always sucking in. And I, I loved these jobs. That's not, you know, that's not to put down Bellator. And then, but you know, even now in my modeling gigs, I, I wear a fucking waist trainer. So then to be here with 90 women from their 20s to 70s and to just let it all hang out and to feel fully celebrated in that and to catch my own thoughts and then recognize where they came from and then shift them. What a rewiring that was. It being the last day, the feelings that were coming up around going home was not knowing if I could go back and share about this experience fully with anyone back home. I wasn't entirely sure anyone could fully understand without being there. I wasn't sure how my partner was going to feel or if he'd be open to using what I learned here, if it was something he could celebrate with me or celebrate about me. I didn't know if my friends would see it as irresponsible or just possibly invalidate it because it didn't make sense. I wasn't sure. And then Mary came in reminding me, shh, you're going to have all of this because you ask for it. Even if it's not right now, an up-leveling is happening and every single person in your life from here on out will benefit from you experiencing this. They will experience this energy through you. It's not any less magical because it's not going to be shared right away. I felt expectations unwind from that. And also, the fear of invalidation left, obviously. I'm sharing it all with all of you. <laughs> she also showed me that it's in parenting and in partnership that we can learn to be master space holders. Simply asking, I have some heart wisdom coming up right now. Would you like me to share that or would you like me to hold space? What would make you feel most supported right now? which is really hard for me because I'm like, heart wisdom, heart wisdom coming through. But then when it's not trusted, things can get really murky for me. And so it's in the asking that can cause an opening. I know that I carry Kali's energy of ego destruction and Isis's transmissions and Magdalenic wisdom, but I can just embody that. And in holding space for the person, while that's in my field, they'll feel that energy in the space without me having to speak things. And as a space holder, it's so much about what we embody. That allows for the person in front of us to have downloads come through on their own, which is so powerful. Through us embodying what they need, they'll feel the desires to make the shifts. We just hold the space with the truth in our body. It's a portal. And not with a should, we just hold it and then we surrender, which is such a practice. And in the tantrums with my kids, a reminder to not say stop crying or go to your room, whatever. And I might need to carefully put in earplugs because I'm autistic and loud sounds are hard for me and they're very overstimulating. But to let them cry and scream in front of me and for me to just be there without trying to shut it off, to ask them where they feel it in their body and encourage them to actually express it, encourage the expression, maybe even encourage a shake, knowing this is when it won't control them anymore 
and it also won't control me anymore. This will also teach me to fear it less because I only hinder their expression because I'm afraid of it or afraid of my own expression controlling me. I don't have to fear that their emotions will take me out of this experience either because it's actually an opportunity to go deeper, to be a master space holder. I've got a long way to go on this, but the intention is there. I also felt really nervous about the contraction of going home because after every expansion comes a contraction. That's just the process. But the teacher shared that the more you expand wider and wider, you still contract, but not to the same level as when the expansions weren't so big. And sheesh, was that a relief. And it ended up being so true for me. We ended the retreat with a massive catwalk. Each of us did a strip tease and strut on it, embodying how exactly we wanted to go back into the world. The song that played during mine was Lady Gaga's Born This Way. And in jade fashion, I couldn't get my top off because my strap got stuck in my armulet, but I continued to dance anyways, which feels about right. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times during that week that I felt like I was in one of those beautiful Greek paintings with a bunch of naked women massaging each other, dancing in their pleasure, feeding each other strawberries and chocolate. I kept thinking, what is this life? I'm in a real life painting. It was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen and I was nonstop smiling with tears. So thankful for my teacher and what she carries in her transmission field and her lineage so thankful she said yes to the call. So thankful for this tantric tradition, for the Taoist lineage. So thankful to be here for it in each and every lifetime. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Great spirit for bringing me there. I feel resurrected. I feel baptized. I feel juicy as fuck. More please. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.